want to do anything. I know, right? I'm just like, fuck, I just... Can't we just, like, not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you not? Yeah. Thanks. Can we just... Look, can we just write off this year and just... Oh, fucking hell. Uh, okay, let's start over at New Year's Eve. Because New, New Year's Eve was the last good time I had outside. Yeah, seriously. Let's just start it the fuck over. Or just write it off entirely, skip ahead, and just be like, all right, everyone take until December 31st, 2020, do whatever the fuck you want. Fucking yeah. get fat. Drink yourself to sleep. I don't fucking care. January 1st, 2021. We're back at it. <laughs> we're back, baby dolls. Oh, man. 2020 never happened. We're just picking up like it, like nothing happened. Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom-coms, and then record our thoughts, and put them on the internet for your listening pleasure. And Max Lyon, how are you doing this evening? I am fucking tired. <laughs> well, good. So, um... <laughs> You know, that's great for podcast recording. Yes. Uh, you yeah. know, have have no energy and being tired. It's it's exactly <laughs> what our tens and tens of listeners want. <laughs> uh, yep. Well, that's what happens so, for Memorial Day weekend. All right. Yeah. yeah I mean, we're, well, except that we're only in the Saturday night portion of this Memorial Day weekend. Shh. Um, <laughs> no one needs to know. <laughs> well, I personally had some Ben and Jerry's just now, so I am on a nice little sugar rush sober. But, oh, so like uh, 20 minutes uh, in, we're both going to be crashing. Oh, no. Nah. <laughs> no, nah, I can make that shit ride for an hour. Easy. <laughs> Easy peasy. All right. <laughs> you know who else can also eat sugar and be hyper for a long time? Kids. And there's a kid in this film... Definitely, maybe. There's a fucking kid in it. <laughs> There's a fucking kid in it. Remember the last time <laughs> we saw a kid in it? Nope. Actually, I'm trying to think if it was. It might have been in Seattle. Well, yeah. Although technically, there are kids, and you've got male. There are kids, and. Well, yeah, but a kid is like a central role. <laughs> yeah, uh, we sleepless in Seattle, um, motherfucker. But- <laughs> he was a Mariner fan, so he gets a pass. All right. uh, even though he fucking flew to New York, by uh, we're, not no, no, we're not talking. We're not talking about. We're talking about Abigail Breslin. We're talking about Abigail Breslin. We're talking about fucking definitely maybe a movie that you chose, a yes. movie that stars your male, your not even man, just your crush. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Face it, I fucking love the hell out of Ryan Reynolds. So was it just because Ryan Reynolds is in it that you chose the film, or yes. there, was there another reason? Yes. No. It was just because Ryan Reynolds is in it. Gotcha. No, um, I'd seen it maybe once or twice before a long time ago, and um, 
I don't know. It's just something after we were discussing last week's episode, something clicked and I was like, yeah, I kind of want to watch this movie next. So not a whole lot of deeper meaning behind this choice, but I thought it was <laughs> just a good, good segue into some, I guess, early two th- no, mid two thousands rom-com. Yeah, well, I mean, late aughts. Cause it, uh, cause it came out in 08. Oh yeah. 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 So, yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, I remember this film. I've seen it I have once before, but it was a long time ago. I remember when the film was coming out and seeing commercials and trailers for it and thinking, "Oh, that looks great." And then I never went and saw it in theaters. And then when it got to the movie channels like HBO and Showtime or whatever, mm-hmm. um, at the time, wherever I was living, like it came up on DVR. So I remember recording it on DVR when I saw that it was coming on and then watching it like in 2010, it was just like alone. Hmm. And but it was like, I, I watched it like late one night, I think. Cause and so like, I like half got it. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I just, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what it was. It was, but it was tough that first watch, but the second watch was pretty good. And uh, we'll go into it a little more. Uh, here shortly actually now that you uh, mention it i do remember seeing it on cable like a ton actually i think i've seen it more recently on cable like it's just always on some yeah channel. i think fx had the rights to it at one point and so then it just got a lot of play on fx which yeah, yeah that might have been was, it was kind of like the place kind of going back to the sweet home alabama episode like when i watched sweet home alabama one and a half times on fx yep, yep. my roommate so yeah i mean it was one of those things where i think it like would play back to back yeah i think you're right um but uh we'll go into some stats here regarding the film so definitely maybe is a 2008 romantic comedy drama so aka dramedy uh film Written and directed by Adam Brooks. And it stars Ryan Reynolds, Isla Fisher, Rachel Weiss, Elizabeth Banks, Abigail Breslin, and Kevin Klein. It's set in New York City during the 1990s. And the film is about a political consultant who tries to help his 11-year-old daughter, I didn't know she was 11, uh, understand his <laughs> impending divorce by telling her the story of his past romantic relationships and how he ended up marrying her mother. So we get our very own little How I Met Your Mother yeah, it, it is. It is very. It's a condensed version of How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, a better fucking ending, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this film came out on February fourteenth, two thousand eight. No so kidding. On Valentine's Day, so they knew what the hell they were doing here. Yup. Uh, how long is the film, Max? Ooh. Um, I want to say like an hour and 45, but it, it felt long. It's 111 minutes, an hour 51. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. It, I, and honestly, we'll, we'll go into it, but they try to pack a lot in almost two hours. They do. They do. Yeah. yeah they try to pack a lot. It's, um, it's slow, but there is a lot to take in. Like they're, they're, yeah, it seems slow, but they're conveying a lot of information. Yeah, um, 
And then the budget of the film, which honestly was the most shocking thing to me, is $7 million. What? They made this film for $7 million. I would have figured Ryan Reynolds' contract alone would have been $7 million. Honestly, he wasn't that popping at this moment. Like, this was before he tried to do Green Lantern and... Uh, oh, yeah, I guess you're right, was, yeah. Like, and then the proposal, which we're doing next week, was the year after, 2009, and that's when he really popped off into mainstream movies. So it was, was only a, a year after? Yes. Holy um, hell, okay. So he's a known actor here, but, like, he's done films like Just Friends and this and that and the other, so he's, like... He's a known entity, but he's not quite like a, you know, quote unquote movie star. He's still kind of a, you know, oh, I like that guy. He, he's he's still thought of as a comedic like Van Wilder type. Yeah. Yeah. So, and honestly, Isla Fisher, this is like her first like larger role since Wedding Crashers. This, <laughs> Which I still could not yeah. get over her face for Wedding Crashers. <laughs> Uh, Rachel Weiss, like she was in About a Boy, but you know that was more of a hit in the UK and not necessarily in the US. So uh, Elizabeth Banks, you know, she's been, she was still like only three years ago, she was the crazy girl who was masturbating in a tub and the forty year old virgin. Um, oh yeah, you know, like these are a lot of actors who we know now, and they've had great careers in the two thousand tens. But at this moment, they hadn't quite reached their peaks yet. So still seven million. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I, you would think that anything set in New York. I mean, granted, they could have filmed anywhere, but anywhere like set in New York, you feel like should start at ten million for budget, <laughs> just because yeah, New York's really. so goddamn expensive. Uh, how much did this film make at the box office? Um. 150 million. Hell no. Uh, it made <laughs> 55.6 million dollars. So right. it's a I mean it's hard not to be an ex- a success when you make it for 7 million dollars with names that are familiar, but nonetheless uh, not a tremendous amount, but when it's eight times your budget, you'll take. It. Yeah, that's still pretty solid. Hmm. So wow. Seven million. The other thing about this film is its Rotten Tomato score. Five percent. I don't know what is it. Seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And I feel like that's a solid. Like it's technically certified fresh because certified fresh starts at seventy percent. So, I think that's a solid rating myself um and it's out of 147 reviews a couple a couple little you know blurbs blurbs here uh the wall street journal gave it a bad review uh saying everything feels derivative and nothing rings true it's the way we weren't wow Mm. uh the way we weren't yeah, because there's a movie called The Way We Were. Uh, so, 
while Richard Roper of Ebert and Roper said the title performances are very strong. And then uh, Connie Ogle of the Miami Herald wrote, is this movie the best romantic comedy of the year? Maybe not. Do you walk out with a smile on your face? Definitely. I get it. Uh, so, Definitely, maybe. And then, yeah, so a lot of reviews were saying that the performances were pretty dang good, uh, which I would agree with. In this I would film. too. I would too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about this film for me, you know, going back to how I saw it a decade ago and then saw it, you know, yesterday for me. Mm -hmm. It was how much of the movie's experiences changed for me. How so? So, I mean, as I mentioned, like, it was 2010, 2011. I'd just gotten out of college. So, there's still this, you know bright-eyed, bushy-tailed view of life going certain ways. Uh, just when you're younger, the, the idealism is, you know, everything's black and white. It either is or it isn't, you know? Right. And especially with, with like, love. You think, like, either you're in love or you're not, you know? Yep. That's you know what you want, you go for it, that kind of thing. It's Yeah. Fewer like, variables. Like, yeah. And so this movie just, and, and this movie has a lot of, you know, crisscrossing. There's a lot of missed opportunities, missed timing, all this other sort of stuff. And so as a 22 year old, when you watch it, like, or as I watched it, I was underwhelmed. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a missed opportunity because I was like, I like a lot of these actors. But this feels off. Um, and I mean, with the, it, especially the intro, the intro and like the premise to get to the stories uh, is tough. It, it's like the whole sex ed thing. And then, you know, yeah. I'll tell you the story, but I'm going to change the names. And like, it's a very convoluted oh, like premise, <laughs> very convoluted, almost kicks you off right at the beginning because it's. If you don't want to buy it at the beginning, then you could get off right out, right at the beginning. You have to like stick it out in order for this movie to kind of. It has a very storybook it. beginning to it, where it's fantastical and like, okay, so this is not a believable movie right now. Yeah, uh, but watching it yesterday, ten years later especially after, you know, moving to a bigger city and seeing this guy's experience of just having ideas for life and having those ideas change and meeting people, re-meeting people, you know, just the sense of life moving and having to just kind of go with life, I thought was really well done the second time because it just it hit a lot truer after living life i completely agree yeah that's and exactly so, how i felt watching it again 
Yeah, it just you know, I I think too when he's like depressed after he realizes his feelings for uh, April, mm-hmm. um, which was shortly after she realized her feelings for him at that time. Like at a time, but you know the timing wasn't there, sort of thing. So he, you know, when he's broken up with Summer and he kind of realizes feelings for April, but she's with someone else. And so he's just, and then Bill Clinton uh, doesn't know the definition of is, is. <laughs> and so he's just in this depression and it leads to that whole, you know, you don't have your shit together moment right, with right. April. That's just, I mean, I, I feel like... <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of people who go through, who might be going through that depression moment right now in quarantine. Hell yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like just, that is such a true period of life for like just grown, growing up in your twenties and early thirties. Yep. And so I felt like that really hit true. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I that's, know, that's, on, that's, on, like, that aspect. that's, I completely agree. That's something that, uh, I noticed very similar stuff actually when I was watching it. So I'm glad you picked up on that. It's something that we've talked about in previous episodes too, where, you know, we'll, we'll go back and watch a movie that we've seen at, you know, a completely different stage of our lives and have a different opinion of it or read into it completely differently or relate to it completely differently. And this was definitely an example of that where like, yeah, you're coming out of college uh, or yeah, for us at the time we were coming out of college and, you know, you, you feel a little more confident about your direction in life. Life has gotten a little more complicated since, you know, high school and moving out of your parents' house and everything, but you're still confident and you're still like, all right, let's do this. But mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, watching it now, it's like, oh yeah, now I... It's it's just like Abigail Breslin's character where you you are realizing that as you grow up, yeah, life and love are very complicated. It is no there is no black and white. There is no magic equation. And that's something her character says, like, oh, so the so love is complicated. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. So because inevitably, at the end of the day, like all of us are still the little kid version that's trying to figure out the world. As adults, <laughs> we're we're just we've just been through so much more shit that we're wiser from it. That's it. Yeah. We're still the same person deep down inside that we were back then, trying to figure things out. So, yeah, that's that's so true. We're still trying to figure things out, figure out what's right and wrong, figure out. You know, are are we supposed to feel this way? Like, it, it, like, where's the lightning bolts? Where's the simplicity of, you know, the things that we see in other rom-coms? You know what I mean? Like, where's the moment where they cut over and, you, you know, you're, the look in your eye changes? Like, right. Uh, well, yeah, because life is already complicated enough. Most of the time we're looking for love to be the clarity that we all need in life, you know, or the, the saving grace from life to the, the, the happy place, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, a lot of us grow up as in a, we all grew up in a society that kind of 
trains you to push yourself and make something of yourself. But at the end of the day, sometimes all we want is just someone to share a moment with. And like yeah. that, that simplicity, it's like, fuck, all I want is that simplicity. Why is there such a complicated, unsimple, <laughs> round-ass way to get there? Why are life and love so, like you were saying, completely intertwined and interlocked where it's like, it's not simple. Life gets in the way. It's bad timing. It's it's all these complications. And if it was just love and if it was just two people, then it'd be a lot simpler. But it's not. You're forgetting about all the other life factors. Yeah. I, you know, that's funny about love is just that the, I mean, that's what rom-coms kind of provide is that the idea of love being the answer. Yeah. When really love is a result when you find an answer for other aspects of your life. Exactly. Like love just happens to be like you have to – it's like a piece of furniture. Like Ikea furniture. You have to figure out how to build Ikea furniture. And then like a bed frame, say. And you have to figure out how to build the bed frame. And then love just happens to be the really nice sheet and sheets and like pillows that you put on top of the the bed frame. (laughs) Like like it really really adds to it. It's a really nice treat. But you have to figure out how to build the bed frame, which is yourself. <laughs> and, I, I like that, that involves, And that involves a lot of weird-ass tools and cussing. <laughs> and sometimes you have to unscrew some things and screw them back into other places. Leave the room. and <laughs> there's, some, there's some incorrect screwing. <laughs> like <it's> just... <laughs> Thank you. Finally, I got to laugh. Um, so there... Um, <laughs> you know, and but yeah, and this movie does a good job of showing that aspect of life of, of growing up, especially growing up in a big city like this. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It, agreed. it also tries to do ten million other things <laughs> in an hour and fifty-one minutes. It does. It kind of goes all over the place. I like. I understand the whole politics background. It does aid in some form, like in some ways, the you know the love story. Like without the politics, um, you know, we don't really get a resolution with Summer, um, Summer slash Natasha. But at the same time, it just felt like they were just you know forcing and pigeonholing the whole '90s politics going into the 2000s for just like laughs and like, Oh, remember the nostalgia of the nineties guys. Yeah. And it's just like, like, I, I I don't know. It just, it it didn't really mesh with the love story that they were telling. It just felt like some, it felt like a separate movie of almost like a home movie where just like, Hey, remember that? (laughs) Yeah. It did did a little bit. And, and, I have a thought about that actually, because I was I was thinking. I'm glad you bring that up. That's actually something that the, every time I've watched it, well, I think it's like three, maybe it's maybe it's even up to four now. But um, every time I have watched it, I struggled with that as well. Where it's like I I like the core concept of the movie, where he's recounting his 
his, you know, his love interests as kind of like a bedtime story to his daughter. I like it. It's cute. It's rom-com-ish. It's nice. It's very Princess Bridey, which is a movie we'll get to. Right. Right. So it's, it's very, it's, it works, you know, it's, it's cutesy. It's, it's different. Let's roll with it. I like it. But then they added in all, like you said, all that other stuff. And while I struggle with it, I also I get that it's like, okay, so you're trying to show us that it's not, you can't, you can't single out the love story from life, that it's, they're intertwined. And like, as much as you want to just make a movie about love and just make a movie about, you know, a romance, it, you got to tell the story of life too and how it got in the way and how like it complicates everything. I like that, but I, I keep going back and forth thinking like, but at the same time, I don't want it. Like, I, like, that's why I struggle with this movie. That's why I fucking, oh my God, it drove me emotionally insane watching it every fucking time. Cause especially now with the quarantine, like I'm sitting there tearing up at shit that I probably wouldn't be tearing up at. And, what? uh. Yeah, it's just because it's just like, oh, my God, this is such a sweet story. But at the same time, oh, my God, life fucking sucks sometimes. Fuck. (laughs) Well, you know, this movie was written and directed by the same guy, Adam Brooks. And it felt like there was no editor. Like it felt, you know, he wrote and directed it. And it felt like he was the one who created the source material and then decided what source material made the movie. Like, and so a lot of it made the movie instead of finding the cutting room floor. Mm. And so there's, so the, basically the explanations, like the points being made are being explained way too much, you know, kind of like this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So like the, uh, I mean, the end result of everything is, you know, William Hayes at the end of the film sees Bill Clinton jogging. He yells, I worked on your 92 campaign and he just gets a little thumb up and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the grand explanation for politics. Like, oh, hey, politics are shit. Everyone's just kind of working for their own game and no one's really as idealistic as you think when you're younger. It's yep. like, oh, okay, cool. I'm glad we spent 45 to 50 minutes of film time to get to that result. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like there's the whole other aspect of you know when you're young sometimes you know your flights of fancy don't really take you down a road like you have to learn how to get your shit together and so like isla fish's character goes back to school and then she starts working for amnesty international and Mm -hmm. you know figures out how she what to do with her life um william has to get a job where he doesn't really like it but he gets a job that you know pays him well and helps him support his daughter and he gets his shit together that way sort of thing as an adult. And it's just like, at some point you got to figure out how to get your shit together and be an adult sort of thing. It's like, okay, cool. I'm glad we spent another 45 to 50 minutes. Right. It's like, I like, we get the ultimate points you're trying to say. It's just that you're taking forever to say them. And it's, and it's a little, it's a little much. Like the points yeah. are getting lost in all the preamble. And now that you point that out, I yes, that that would be a great solution because I I don't want to lose the their points completely. I like that they're they're pushing the point or seemingly pushing the point that like 
you know, that uh, life gets in the way. And at the end of the day, maybe all you want out of it is just someone to share it with. You know, that's essentially what every rom-com is about. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter what situation you're in in life. You just want someone to share it with. Like, I like that message. It's good. But cut it the fuck down. Like, just tell us, just show us in in a much shorter span how to like, yeah, life sucks, but you know, be happy with yourself and accept yourself first before you go after one of these girls that you're telling your daughter about, you know, like they could have easily just sent us that message a little bit faster, I think. Yeah. And the thing about this film is that when it was being, you know, advertised, it was, you know, from the makers of Notting Hill and Love Actually. And by that, they meant the studio, Studio Canal, and like in working title, which were the production companies that helped make those films as well as About a Boy. So they're used to working with Richard Curtis, who writes and directs his films. Like he wrote and directs Four Weddings and a Funeral. He wrote and directed uh, uh, Love Actually. Uh, I think he wrote and directed Notting Hill. I I know he wrote it for sure. I don't know if he directed Notting Hill. I feel like we um, covered that at one point. Yeah, but <laughs> a lot of those films are just, you know, there's one auteur who controls the vision, writing and directing. And it allows for, you know, a singular voice. So, you know, there's a lot of nice moments that can be found. There's a lot of subtleties that can be found when you do that. There's a lot of connected tissue. Um, you can have nice moments like the the cigarette smoking race and like that whole night, that first night that April and William have. Mm-hmm. It's nice, and you can have the, the you know the connective tissue of they meet while she's making copies for them, and then they you know meet at the bodega, and then they do, go do their things, and like that kind of stuff doesn't get lost along the wayside, like the little the little bits that connect them, because that's what you connect with as a as a viewer. Right. Those could be, and those are given the time that they need to be given because you have one voice who knows that's important. We need that as much of that as we can. And so when you have two voices, sometimes you're like, well, you know, do we need to, do we need the, the whole like copy moment? Maybe they just exchange a look. Maybe they, maybe we cut that scene down. Maybe we don't necessarily have, you know, the the smoking scene. Like, there's like, I mean, not necessarily those kinds of conversations, but you can have like, when you have two voices, you can start cutting down, you know, start saying, do we need this much of this? Right, right. Two heads are better so, than one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, in and in an odd way, like, this film needed that second voice, but some of the things hit better because they were one voice. And it was like, obviously this is one person's experience of growing up in life. And they wrote a screenplay about it. And then they made the film. I just wish they, really... they had actually spent, I, I think they should have spent more time on Isla Fisher and her relationship with Ryan Reynolds character or what are their character names? Her name is April. April and his name is William. William, that's right. Yep. Um, just like like we see a lot of like 
tiny little interactions like you were mentioning between them, but not a lot to actually build the interest to the point where it's like, I, I don't know if like the moments were too few and far between, or if the moments that we got just weren't as potent as I would have hoped. But by right. the end of it, it's like, I'm happy they, you know, they, they get together finally, but it's like, okay, cool. Like, where's the fucking like passion? I need like the, the build up to it where it's like, when it finally happens, you're like, God damn right. Finally. Well, you know, let's, something to root for. Let's get back. Let's get back to that. What I wanted to do was go one by one through the females. Okay. Yeah. And then I wanted to end with April because yeah. she's obviously the one we end with. So. Well, let's start with, with the best female of all, which is Abigail Breslin's character. <laughs> How fucking good was she? She was, she was pretty, pretty great in this movie. She, she was, she was good, um, you know, just as a a ball buster who knows, you know, just the way that a daughter who has a dad in her life knows that she's got her dad wrapped around her finger sort of way. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it, it's a it's a great relationship between her and Ryan Reynolds, and Ryan Reynolds does a fantastic job being a dad to her in this film. I thought he just seemed like a great dad for someone uh, that I was, I was struggling to accept as a dad to this girl. Yeah. He did a fantastic fucking job. Yeah. And, and I like that they played his age, like where he probably was when he was acting it. Like he seemed like he was in his mid thirties at that time, you know? Yep. And well, mid to late thirties at that point. Cause like he's 22 when he, in the 92 and then present day. So yeah, he's supposed to be late thirties at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, Matt, well shit, I'm only six years away from 38. (laughs) I was about to say, imagine being 38 and finally being with the one you love. And I'm like, wait, that's less than six Uh, years. Oh yeah. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) Just got better. It got worse uh, <laughs> <laughs> well all we need to do is go out and meet some people then oh wait quarantine well there's a lot of people who meet their actual true love at 38 just that they have a divorce and a kid attached so we don't have that that's true yay us um <laughs> anyway um so, <laughs> so uh yeah, Abigail Breslin, A+. Plus. I, I give her an A+. Plus. I, I like her performance. What do we think of Emily slash Sarah? Elizabeth Banks? Yes. Well, I love Elizabeth Banks to begin with. I think... I, I do think too, and I think hilarious. she was... She acted pretty well in the film as well. For yeah. What she was given. Yeah, she wasn't given too much, but I think she did... Yeah. She did well. Yeah. Like, but... Like that, I think her, that's that's like literally all I've got about her. Like, <laughs> yeah, she, her she, she did solid. That's that's it. <laughs> her character is partly the fucking worst. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I would say honestly, I would say the second worst, and we'll get to that. She's uh, with the fucking roommate. Yeah, 
That's the biggest thing. Like, it's like she slept with the roommate who, like, we get very little of, but he literally talks about, like, I can't believe, yeah. you know, and then, like, and then he's going to try to, like, the roommate literally says he's going to try to seduce her. He's like, what a fucking prick yep. that guy is. Yep. What a fucking prick. You literally were roommates with this guy, and now you just banged his girlfriend that he was, like, really serious about. Yep. Just, that's that's someone you, like, yeah. That's that's a toxic person. That's someone who gets punched in the face at someone's 22nd birthday party that happens to be a blacklight party. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. <laughs> we're not gonna name names cradles his hand the whole night long worth it yeah uh, uh, so yeah fuck that guy and then she what like and she's and also why does she have the diary of summer I don't know. And and why seriously, they never answered why he has to hand deliver it. Yeah. They brought that it's up like, several times like, "Oh, I wonder why she made you deliver it to me her, yourself." Like, "Yeah, we're all wondering that too." Yeah, it's like, "Why are you hand delivering this? Why is this what is this? <laughs> is this supposed to mean something though? Like is it yeah, what is this?" And like, what is this? And- what is this? And, like, in the whole meeting where he gets drunk and blacks out with Hampton Wolf and then sees her, and then it's just, like, this very odd dreamscape that they create, and it's just, like, we're 45 minutes into this film, and I don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what you feel after that scene. It's like, this is where we need another director to come and give some clarity to this situation here. Like, yes, yeah, she's going to be important in about 15 to 20 minutes in this film, but for now, this is fucking confusing. Yeah. Like, we need to figure out how to do better here. Um, so, I it, yeah, I, and then, of course, she's the one because she's toxic and there's a reason why they divorce. She's the one who brings up, maybe we weren't ready back then. And it's like, that's just such a... I know. God. That, uh, just this, like, the uh, there's a song by Death Cab for Cutie called The Sound of Settling. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I don't, and it's not necessarily about, like, settling. But that, that like, little <laughs> hair flip. Just that hair up. Yeah, that hair flip and sentence she says is the sound of settling. And, like, God. those two... And she just happens to catch, like, happens to catch him at the worst time, where he just saw, you know, Kevin's living with April. He just randomly ran into Summer again, and then Summer happens to introduce them. And now, all of a sudden, you know, the first... You know, your first love, the one you thought you were going to be with forever, the one you were going to propose to is saying, maybe we should try again. No wonder you get stuck in a relationship and have a kid. Well, yeah, because you're you're absolutely right. He's in his he's presented this. It's it's an out. It's a yes. He's he's in a shitty situation. Life is confusing. And at that point, you're grasping 
at whatever seems familiar, whatever constant you can find to anchor yourself in life. And sure enough, what better anchor than someone from your past that makes you feel comfortable, that makes you feel familiar. And suddenly life doesn't seem so hectic and confusing. Suddenly you're not worried about the shit job you're working in or the fact that you're alone in this big city or anything else like that. But do those problems go away? Nope. And after a decade, you're signing divorce papers. Yep. See? Yep. It goes back to the same old point. You got it. You got it. Like like they say in the movie, get your shit together. Now, the thing is, we have a decade of life experience from the first time we saw this to now. So we get that. We can infer all that without it being shown on screen. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't show any of that on screen. They don't show any of why the marriage didn't work. You just have to infer based on past behavior. The fact that she cheated on him is not a great foundation. She's still someone who cheated on him. So therefore, you can expect that he'll probably get hurt again. But at the time they reconcile, everything's water under the bridge. So you think maybe they got a chance. And then all of a sudden, oh, they're getting divorced again. And you don't know why technically. But you kind of do know why if you really look into it. But you yeah. have to look into it because it's not explained on film. Like the one thing that probably should have been elaborated on, they didn't elaborate <laughs> on in this fucking film. Yeah. <laughs> so, <and laughs> but um, yeah, if I were to give a grade to Emily's character, just as a likability, like if she, if she was a real person, I'd give her a D minus. Fuck, fuck her. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, and then there's Summer slash Natasha. Then there's Summer. She, I, dude, I don't know what it is. I still don't know. But every time I watch this movie, she rubs me the fucking wrong way. And I don't know what it is. I, I, just, I agree. Uh, FYI, everyone. Uh, looks like we're about to have some thunderstorms outside. So if you hear some thunder clatter, it is what it is. So. Yeah, I, I don't have any lights on in my apartment right now because it was daylight when we first started recording. And you and saw that flash of lightning just like so, two yeah, seconds ago? Exactly. Yeah. And it lit up my whole apartment and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, thank God Renee's talking right now because I can silently scream to myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, because it's Rachel Vice, and Rachel Vice I think is beautiful, but at the same time, her eyes, they're crazy. <laughs> she, she just she just has the stare where she's just like staring so intently like when she's pregnant and she sees him at the cafe and she's just like william hayes and the way yeah. she's looking at him it's just like it's so intense yeah. and it's like like you guys have banged and stayed in bed together all day before so like it's okay right now but if i didn't know you and you're looking at me like this i'd be scared yeah she does you're right she has really She's got some crazy eyes. She's got that intense stare down. Yes, it's very intense. And so that in and of itself is very off-putting. Then you meet her as kind of this like odd muse. Yeah, she's odd. Where she's like the muse of Hampton Wolf. And she's had this lesbian tryst with uh, Emily slash Sarah 
And so you don't know how to feel about her. And then she just has to kiss him at the elevator because she was curious slash she was attracted to him. And it's just like, who are you and what gives you the right? I think that maybe that's why we struggle with her so much is that in a movie where there's already a lot of ambiguity and like, um, sorry, that lightning bolt completely distracted me. No, you're um, good. Um, in a movie with already enough ambiguity and like variables in it, and we're already trying to like gain our, our footing with figuring out love and everything. And like, she is the epitome of ambiguity where it's like, like you said, who are you? Like her character is so fluid mm-hmm. that we never understand. Like it, it's not comfortable. Like she's unpredictable. Yeah. So, and then, yeah. And then they happen to run into each other at Hampton's, you know, book thing. And she has this love for Hampton and it's, and as Abigail, and like it took Abigail Breslin saying, so she was in love with Hampton. When yeah. she, when Abigail Breslin's character says that, that is like, oh, that's what it was. Like she was never fully with William. She just thought he was cute and he was young and he was different than Hampton. So even though she, she says the only the only one I ever really felt like I got it right with was you. When she says yeah. that to William at the table outside. So it's like doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that was the true love that you had. I mean, sometimes the heart wants what it wants, even if it's true. Bad. Where like you can recognize that oh, this would be good for me, but can't deny my feelings, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, she's she's got a picture of Hampton in her in her home, not of William. So that was that whole relationship was strange. Yeah, I mean, Hampton Wolf in and of himself. Just was a interesting character. I, I like he was barely necessary. <laughs> just yeah, barely necessary. What was his role? Like, what was he his was, purpose in this movie? He was just there as a, almost like a shit stirrer. Like his role was put in by the by Adam Brooks as a shit stirrer. He was the one yeah. who was like, this is how you be a man. And he was the one who was like, you know, telling William about politics and what politics really are. And it's all about heart. So yada, yada. And then he's the one who tells her you didn't, you know, you didn't do the work with the whole politician, which leads to the publishing of the story. Um, You know, he, he is, he is just a shitster of, uh, of an eccentric again could have been done differently yeah i mean that's once again we're another guy coming in and just like helping you out with the draft like hey i'm directing the film uh this guy this character here uh not really clear what he's doing here (laughs) just you know uh but they got kevin klein to do it and so he acted as well as he could and i mean kevin klein's a good actor so yeah there is still some substance to the performance it's just as a script, the fuck is this? <laughs> like, right, yeah, just, completely agree. It's yep. tough. You have to infer a lot of things just to make it okay. And it feels like that's kind of the film in and of itself. You have to infer a lot of things just to make it okay. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Summer 
you know, pregnant, all of a sudden comes back into William's life. And what does she do? Introduce him to Emily, which then leads to him having a decade-long marriage that's about to end in divorce, even though she fucking cheated on him. Like, she just reintroduces that into his life. Yeah. So she just fucked up a decade. Fucking thank for, thanks for that, Natasha. Yeah, here's, yeah. Yeah, here you go. Um, Summer and Natasha, I'm going to ruin your life for a decade without actually being in your life. She gets an F. She's the worst. Yeah, fuck, fuck her. her. She's, the, her. she's easily the worst character. I'm in this glad movie. I'm not the only one that has a problem with her. I, I couldn't... You, yeah. you definitely helped clear that up because I couldn't quite put my finger on what bothered me about her. But yeah, all of that. All of it. Fuck her. It's just, yeah. I, but at the same time, I love Rachel Weisz. She's a great actress and... I, think I mean, she, I, I love all three Roger, of the actresses. Roger Craig, she and Roger Craig are a really cute couple in real life. So, well, that's good. I don't know them yeah. actually. I don't know him. Uh, he's Bond. He's what? Bond. James Bond. Daniel Craig. Is that what you said? Daniel Craig, not Roger Craig. Sorry, I fucking I call him Roger Craig, who was the running back for the 49ers in the eighties, <laughs> and not Daniel Craig. <laughs> Whatever, right? I was thinking, I was stuck between. I was called him Roger Moore, and I knew Roger Moore was wrong. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, Roger, Roger Craig, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. All right. Anyway, Daniel Craig. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think I got some discussion here for uh, what the kiss of the movie is. Oh, wait. No, we didn't uh, review Isla Fisher. Oh, we have it. You're right. Well, you skipping know, ahead. We, I know. Well, bef- I, the reason I'm skipping ahead, and I, because I'm trying to figure out when would be a good break, because I got a piece. So let's just call a break now. Yeah, let's just call. We'll a break. be right back after this musical interlude. <laughs> and we're back. Thank you for sitting through that musical interlude as I relieved myself. <laughs> you don't always have to tell them why we take a break yes i do max because the tens and tens of listeners know that i would never lie to them all right never okay <laughs> so yes we uh we did not talk about april you are correct we have talked about april a little bit and then i said we would table it and come back um so, you mentioned not getting enough of April. So, what did you think of what we did get of April? Like, in April Williams especially. Well, I liked I liked the scenes that we got for her. Because, it, like, I, I felt like she was... From what little we did get... I felt like she was fairly well developed as a character. Like we got a, we got a little bit of a taste of what kind of person she is compared to the others. And compared to the others, I feel like we were told more about her character. But when it came to like her and William, the only scenes that we ever get from them are like complicated conflict scenes or like where they're trying to figure out life together or things like that. And it's like, the romantic side never really builds. They have that one weird little kiss. Um, there's always the implied like tension of whether they like each other or not. 
but there's nothing substantial from i i thought nothing substantial from like a like a romance perspective between them there wasn't a spark i didn't get like a lot of like i don't know like by the end of the movie i should have been i feel like i should have been sitting there going god just let them be together you know like i would have been rooting for them and i i i mean i was but it was more so like god okay this poor guy needs a fucking break just let them be together (laughs) just he needs a fucking break like yeah Um, (laughs) Uh, I personally, I agreed with you like on the first, the first attempt that I watched it, that was part of it where it's just like, he ended up with her and I remember thinking, so what? Like, yeah, that was, that was the conclusion I came with the first time. The second time it made a little more sense, but then as you mentioned, there's just, there's a, there's a lack of things there. It's just. I get the whole, you know, timing isn't right, uh, like, way that they went about it. But at the same time, there's this point where they're talking, like, during the whole Lewinsky scandal. And it's like, obviously, they've been chatting back and forth to each other, you know, since he lost his job. Like, she's been a friend to him. And, like, like they were writing to each other. And then she realized she was in love with him, but she, but he was stuck, stuck in the end of the whole summer thing. And then after he lost his job and found another job, they were still in contact. And then she threw him a birthday party. There's obviously a friendship that they had continued to have. Right. I need more of that friendship. Cause that's where you build the relief when they actually get together at the end. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was saying. Once again, we had to infer and fill in the meat, just like we had to do that with Emily's, with their marriage, with the Emily and William's marriage. Yeah. We had to just infer and just figure, oh, there must have been some good shit there. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, no, no, in a movie, you need to show that good shit. Like, that good shit needs to be on film, you know. But for the most part, that. And then, like in the initial meet cute where they're where she's making copies for him and like that whole thing is is not that cute. Uh, yeah. Where she's just like independent and he's like yeah. idealistic and like all this other sort of stuff. It's just that I, as a first meeting, uh, you know, I was unimpressed. But I've had that leave. first meeting. I've had that exact first meeting, and it's <laughs> not. It does not blossom relationships. I mean, at the same time, it does lead to the smoking race, which I thought was a really cute and really cute scene. And I felt like in that whole night that was her birthday was pretty damn good. Yeah. And all the way up to the coffee in the apartment and then the making out to... You know, well, they listed to "Come As You Are" by Nirvana, and then of course the obligatory "Oh, This Is Nirvana." Yeah. Like you're just like, oh, cool. oh yeah, that's right. This is a flashback scene because we're in the '90s. <laughs> yeah. Remember, this is a time travel movie, kind of. Um, but <laughs> but then also when they actually start making out, 
there it's cigarettes and coffee by otis redding is being played in the background which is one a fantastic song and two it's a little on the nose but they smoke cigarettes <laughs> they drink coffee and that song's playing in the background as they're starting to kiss yeah um, yeah but what, see those, those are nice rom-com moments that whole you have to hold on to that seed in order to make the end feel okay yeah, you have to hold on to many... that seed and you have to hold on to the whole Jane Eyre books and then like oh god that was a struggle too have, where it's like yeah you have to hold on to that you have to hold on to when she realizes she wanted to talk to him but he's about to propose for a second time to someone else yeah why is she always proposing <laughs> well that i think that was just that was a clever joke in the script where it's just like she was with him the first time he was going to propose to someone she was with him the second time he was going to propose to someone <laughs> And it's just like kind of funny, uh, but why the, is he always proposing? <laughs> he he like, is that just he, his move. Like it's been three he, days. Let me let me whip this ring out. I mean, I I feel like that whole montage with summer was more like a, a an entire summer. Like it was like it was an entire campaign that he had with that guy. So yeah, it would take me more than a summer to get over those crazy eyes. <laughs> well, you're not William Hayes, so uh, yeah. So then there's then he realizes he's into her, and he can't be at that party anymore because you know he realizes it, and he's drunk on her stoop, and gets rejected by her because she says like, you know, of course now you're into me when you don't have your shit together, which yeah. was kind of that was a ruthless line, but. At the same time, the little that they had shown of their friendship slash relationship to that point, I felt like that line was an accurate line. Yeah. Like, that's something that that character would say, that person would say. That line always made me uncomfortable because it's like, oh, God, that hurts to the core to, to, like, have it mirrored back at you that, like, yeah, I don't have my shit together, but yeah. I'm lonely. <laughs> so... <laughs> well, and also, like... And then it, it provides this odd feeling as like, oh, you only like me when my shit's together. But then at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, who wants to be with someone whose yeah. shit isn't together? Like, and it's just like, it's a very odd <laughs> dynamic you create when you say a line like that. But that is something that that character, that person would say. And that so would say in real life, which I would give credit to the script on. Yeah. And now that you've brought up some of the stuff that you did in the, beginning where you know about how it mirrors the complexity of life and everything mm -hmm. uh, now i read into that line a little differently where like i always read into it face value where you know he doesn't have his his shit together meaning like his shit being career and you know whatever the mm -hmm. the more tangible aspects of life mm -hmm. now i can read into it and think maybe she means like or she could also mean he doesn't have his like mental shit together. Like, yeah. Like he was literally covered in a blanket when she picked him up for his birthday party. Yeah. He had not cleaned the noodles. He had thrown at the TV when he heard the definition of is it's yeah. like, this is, he is in the midst of a depression and it's just like, that's very hard to be in a relationship. with. Yeah. <laughs> you are, yeah. you are a hard human being to share a life with right now. Once again, you need to have, you know, you need to like yourself first before you can be in a, a relationship. 
Yeah, he had his bed frame had not been built yet for IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> Callback. Uh, and then, but then of course, like he throws jabs at her, but then she ends up going to school and making something of herself as well, based off of his like obviously jealous jab, like it yeah. hurt jab, but it it was still a, an accurate jab. And that's what kind of hurt the most. And that's what led to like the, the two slap combo, <laughs> the two time multiplier on the slap that he got. Gentle slaps. It's just pop, pop. <laughs> just <laughs> fucking she Bruce Lee slapped him. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then of course uh, he finds the Jane Eyre book, tries to give it to her, sees Kevin and then holds on to it. What did you think of the fact that he held on to the book as like a last obstacle he had to get over? I like the way he, he re-explained it at the end, but up until that very moment, I thought it was annoying and like, again, kind of unnecessary. Like, uh, like, I, I don't know if he's going to chicken out and not deliver the book the first time, then have him chicken out. Like don't kind of like make it, well, he's just going to wander out after seeing the guy and that's it. Like, I don't know, make it more or just don't have it at all. Like just have it, have it be a cute rom-com device where, you know, we circle back to that. And he finally gets to deliver the book to her after all these years. And that's how they finally hook up, you know? Well, that's what they did. He yeah. finally gave it to her after all these years. And that's how they hooked up. No, but then she's she's mad at him again. Oh, oh, you mean and without that part? Yeah, like, just I think, get rid of I think... that part altogether where okay. he didn't, like, hold on to it for years and years and years. Just... Like, just have him del- finally find it and deliver it to her. And that's how they, like, finally have um, a relationship. That, so that's how... So you're saying, like, have him find it at the end of the movie and use that as a side after telling the story to his daughter. Yes. And he needs to go after April. And then, yes. and then he delivers the book to her, and that's how he reintroduces himself into her life sort of thing. Yeah, I need that, I need that cheesy rom-com ending where it's like... <gasps> After all the confusion, fate has pointed you in the right direction. <laughs> I feel like this is the kind of reaction that was supposed to be for you got mail. The way that she reacted to this. Where like and you've uh, got mail, she you know, Meg Ryan's character is just like, I was hoping it was you. I was hoping it was you. And it's like, dude kinda catfished you for a Months. <laughs> like just like I get he had to, but he kind of just catfished you for a few months, and you're real happy that he did. They didn't have it's that like, term okay. back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, the internet was still a baby; you had to dial up stuff. He was patient zero for that term. Yeah, he was patient zero for catfishing. Um, and so. With this, this is kind of the reaction that you would have, where she's obviously touched, she's obviously happy, but at the same time, for years and years, you knew how much this book meant to her. 
and you at no point did you try to reach out and give her this book, which obviously yeah. meant more to her than it could have ever meant to you. Yeah. Like I know it was like you're holding on to her and that's the line you give her and that's how you reintroduce yourself back to your life. And that may be valid, but no matter how much you may have been in love with her, you're not like currently in her universe and you're just holding on to this book that would hold more meaning in her life. So her frustration with him and anger with him, I thought was valid. The first time I watched it, I was like, it's a fucking book. The second time I watched it, I'm like, no, that's a legit gripe. Like, yeah. That's a legit gripe for her to have. But at the same time, it was resolved easily, which I think is also the proper resolution to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they add a little cutesy thing. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just felt like that was the proper reaction to something this, you know, legitimate that we didn't get you've got mail um so what would you say is the kiss of the film between william and april oh it's the it's the last one that closes out the movie that's, that's she jumps I'm, on it yeah and kisses him yep what'd you think of it what's um, great i'd give it a i'd give it a b plus well okay. i'd give it a b give it a b it was it was cute it was solid um i liked the, you know that we didn't pan away from the scene at all or change angles we just see everyone go inside he stops and waits and she comes back and jumps on him i thought that was adorable i loved it the kiss itself was good but you know it wasn't anything spectacular yeah the, the jumping on him is nice uh and then the way he looks up afterwards too just like in a very yes i forgot about that know, yeah that's a like, great thank, little move thank goodness sort of thing yeah uh i would say the kiss though is the first one they have in, in the apartment with cigarettes and coffee playing and I, I maybe it's just the fact that i love otis reddit but i don't know something about that song and like that moment where they just okay. like kind of kind of tumble into the kiss <laughs> like after spending that you know, first nice night. There's just something about the romanticism of a perfect night in New York in a rom-com. I don't know what it is like spending time on a rooftop and then having a nightcap and then looking at each other's eyes and then falling into a kiss mm. sort of thing. And I mean, we talked about last week how the best scene of the movie was after a tremendous day slash night that the two main characters had, but it didn't end in a kiss. Uh, but this one did. Um, it's true and I also liked how the kiss was cut short because he technically was still in a relationship with someone else but he had just you know stumbled and fell into this Yeah, and she was technically in a relationship as well I just felt like it was very accurate and just like almost almost like you know a forbidden type like something you look back on like oh that was so great even though it shouldn't have happened you know what i mean like in a in an odd way i don't know i liked it i i would give it a, a b plus that that kiss hmm. okay yeah as for what happens after ever after i don't have one i have what happens before ever after 
Okay. Interesting. It's very simple. He finds the perfect song when he's listening to Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone. He looks one way down the street and then gets stopped by someone before he gets hit by a bus. What happens before ever after is that guy's not there to stop him. God damn. <laughs> like, I don't care how loud your music is. How the fuck you not look at both ways before you cross the street, idiot? God that's it. Damn. That's it. That's what happens before ever after. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're at the verdict of the movie. Oh, it's so dark. <laughs> I, I, when I saw that bit part at the beginning, I was like, I don't care what happens in this film. That's my joke that I'm going with. For what happens after Rander? I was like, I don't care what happens. That's what I'm going with. Anyway, uh, as far as the verdict of the film, uh, let's start with you. What would you? I think you've uh, give killed someone in each of your scenarios, like the last five episodes. I mean, hey, death happens, you know. <laughs> It's so gruesome. Oh, quarantine is definitely taking its yeah. toll on your ha- your ever happily whatever ever after ever afters. I'll tell you what, it has, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. What what are we doing? Sorry. <laughs> the verdict of the film. What what would you do with this film? I'd fuck it. It's it's worth a good it's it's worth a watch. Um you know, maybe two, like we did, where yes. you watch a different periods yeah yeah i would say it's a solid fuck and fuck it twice uh watch it twice because the second time it'll hit a little better because you won't be stuck in the mystery of the big of the film although we kind of you know spoiled it so if you listen to this before you watch the movie you're ahead of the game so there you go um yeah but yeah i think it's a solid movie even though as we've talked about a lot of the issues with the plot writing um, there's a reason we haven't really heard much from that writer director since this film. <laughs> um, so, uh, but nonetheless, uh, yeah. So you can find us on our socials, uh, the show's Instagram, which is the main, you know, main part I would say, uh, that we have as far as communicating is bromancing the stone podcast all together there. So, uh, bromancing the stone podcast there on Instagram, bro, the stone pod on Twitter. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at supermarket sweep without the E and super. So S U P R market sweep. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at relusa 88 and that's R E L U S A eight eight. And then max, you can find me on Instagram at the Lionhearted, which is T A G period L Y O N H E A R T E D. Perfect. And then we're continuing this Ryan Reynolds double feature. Next week we're doing The Proposal. We're finally getting into a Sandra Bullock film. Oh, it's, yeah. She is a, a, a rom-com all-star that we have not. Damn, that's a good point. To. Yeah. So, uh, you know. I will we'll, keep that in mind when choosing my next movie. Yeah, and she, she's also, like, this is kind of, her last great rom-com. Uh, so, yeah, I like, I definitely yeah. like, I'm not even going to hide it. I loved her role in the, that movie. Yeah. So uh, we'll get into that one next week. Uh, until then, though, to the tens and tens of listeners, 
We love y'all. We thank y'all for rocking with us. And we will chat with you later. Love you guys. Thank you.